I don't blame you for writing of me as you have. You had to believe other stories. But then I don't know if anyone would believe anything good of me anyway. Billy the Kid, in a comment to a Las Vegas Gazette reporter, December 1880. Uh, when did Billy the Kid die? In December 1950, on the streets of Hyco, Texas. He had a heart attack. There's this gentleman named uh, Brushy Bill Roberts that had uh, been identified in the 1950 or 1940s and uh, went before the governor of New Mexico asking for a pardon for crimes committed under the name Billy the Kid. And he ended up proving it. Uh, so I do believe that Billy the Kid was not shot and killed by Pat Garrett, and mainly because the night of the shootout, there was a young man killed, Billy Barlow, but that young man had a beard. Uh, Billy did not. He had peach fuzz. And also the young man was dark-complected, and Billy wasn't. So even if he'd used berries trying to dye his skin for a darker color, he couldn't have grown a beard because he wasn't able to at that point. But then the main reason why is there was a deputy marshal there that night, and he rolled the body over, and he told Pat Garrett it was not Billy the Kid. I mean, by now, they should have figured out, was he Billy the Kid or was he not Billy the Kid? I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. I mean... We have all this modern technology nowadays. So I do believe that Billy the Kid was not shot and killed by Pat Garrett. But if you look at the original documents and the things that actually happened, there's no proof he killed Billy the Kid other than a few people said so. I mean, that's literally it. There's no there's no body. There's no photo of the body. There's no death certificate. There's none of that stuff. The Attorney General of New Mexico kept issuing a warrant for Billy's arrest about two years afterwards, uh, hoping that, uh, that somebody would see him and report him or turn him in. And then finally he gave up. And I think one, I believe his remark was, or his statement was, we no longer believe Billy the Kid is in New Mexico. Not that he was dead, but not in New Mexico. Um, there's all kinds of inconsistencies and problems with the original story. For example, but you basically have to believe that an armed Billy the Kid would walk right by deputies on the porch. You know, he said, KNS, KNS, who is it, who is it? And they said, well, we're friends, we're not here to hurt you. And he said, KNS. Now, why would you respond in Spanish if you're an English guy and somebody says to you in English, you know, we're here, we're your friends? And nobody paid any attention to it because Pat Garrett said that was Billy the Kid and he buried Billy the Kid and didn't let any of the town people see it. In 1881... The same year that Billy the Kid was supposedly shot by Pat Garrett at Fort Sumner, his longtime friend and leader of the notorious Jesse Evans gang, also known as the Boys, shoots and kills a Texas Ranger. Now Jesse Evans serves a year in prison. After he is released, he disappears. He is long presumed dead. Until 1948, when his brother dies and leaves Jesse a small parcel of land. A man from Florida named Joe Hines comes forward and claims that he is Jesse Evans and wants his land. So a man is sent down to interview him from St. Louis. This man's name is William Morrison. William Morrison is a probate investigator and a paralegal, and he goes down to make sure that Jesse Evans is who he says he is. And after proving in a court of law that he was in fact the long thought dead outlaw Jesse Evans, he is awarded the land. Now the reason I'm telling you this is because in the midst of the interviews with Jesse Evans, William Morrison happens to bring up the fact that he is a descendant of Peter and Paulita Maxwell. 
Pete Maxwell's house is where Billy the Kid was supposedly shot. Well, in response to this, Jesse Evans starts telling him about his involvement in the Lincoln County War. He reveals that there were three, including himself, that were still alive. One of those men was Jim McDaniels. The other one was a man named William H. Bonney, alias Billy the Kid. And he explains to William Morrison how Billy the Kid did not die at Fort Sumner. So William Morrison wants information about how Billy the Kid survived and where he's at. But Jesse Evans won't tell him anything. So William Morrison tracks him down. And he finds him in this little shack in Heiko, Texas. Now this man strongly denied being Billy the Kid. Kept saying his name was William H. Roberts. And he went by other aliases as Oliver P. Roberts. That is, until William Morrison informs him nonchalantly that he is a lawyer. At which point in time, Brushy Bill Roberts admits that he is Billy the Kid. And he wants that pardon that was promised to him 70 years before. Did you know that there is no official death certificate issued for Billy the Kid or that there is no actual proof that Billy the Kid died other than the fact a few people said so did you know that nine days after Billy the Kid died there was an article printed in the Las Cruces newspaper about the events that happened at Fort Sumner and they described the person that Pat Garrett shot as being dark-skinned and having a beard did you also know that in 1883, there was a warrant issued for the arrest of Billy the Kid? This was two years after he died. There is also another warrant issued for his arrest in 1885. I'm going to ask you this as a listener. When I present what I have to present in this episode, I want you to forget everything that you ever learned in history class about the death of Billy the Kid. And I want you in your mind to create an imaginary scale. On one side, I want you to weigh the evidence that Billy the Kid was shot at Fort Sumner by Pat Garrett. And on the other hand, I want you to weigh the option, not that he was Brushy Bill Roberts, or anybody else for that matter, but in that other hand, I want you to weigh the option that he did not die at Fort Sumner, killed by Pat Garrett. I want you to weigh the option that maybe he lived and got away. That's all I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to present facts on both sides of the argument. And at the end of this, I will not have an opinion. I want your opinions. I want to hear what you guys think. I want to hear what you have to say. Because in the course of researching this, I found out some very, very interesting things. Some may be coincidences, but others are just too strange to be made up. My name is Justin. This is Mysterious Circumstances. And you're listening to The Death of Billy the Kid, Part 2.
All right, MC Nation, real quick before we get started, I do have to give a couple thank yous. I'd like to thank uh, Shiloh, Pam, and forgive me if this is wrong, but Tamara, or Tamara. I've seen that name spelled the same way and pronounced two different ways, so I apologize, so I just said it both ways in case I got it wrong. But I, I got it. I do got to point out, um, old, uh, Tamara or Tamara probably sent me the greatest message on Patreon, and all it said was, "Billy the Kid, wow, that episode made my cheap ass want to become a patron." <laughs> and I honestly can't thank you enough. Um, and I'd like to thank everybody. That episode right there fucking blew it off the charts. Everybody fucking loved it. The feedback was kick-ass. I gotta thank everybody for all the fucking awesome, nice words that you guys said. And apparently, by popular demand, um, I will more than likely be doing a another episode on a, another famous American uh, Wild West outlaw here in the near future. So I guess we can kind of go ahead and jump into this episode now. As you heard in the intro, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with how Brushy Bill was even found. I'm going to tell his version of events. I'm going to tell his story of him growing up, um, how all this came to pass, all that good stuff. And then I'm going to go through... And we are going to look at similarities, and we're going to look at some differences. We're going to look at facts. We're going to look at all kinds of shit. And at the end of the day, you guys are going to determine whether or not Billy the Kid faked his own death or even survived for that matter, or if Pat Garrett killed the wrong person for the third time, you know, after Tom O'Falliard and fucking Charlie Beaudry were mistaken for the kid and Pat Garrett killed them, uh... During ambushes, didn't give them a chance to fight back or surrender. That's a whole nother story all in itself. In 1948, Jesse Evans' brother dies. He has one error. Actually, he has no errors at this point in time. So, Jesse Evans' long-lost brother comes forward, who has an assumed name of Joe Hines, and he's living in Florida at the time. Joe Hines comes forward, says he's the famed outlaw Jesse Evans that everybody thought was pretty much dead, who literally dropped off the face of the earth in 1882 after being released from prison after serving a, a year for killing a Texas Ranger. Now, as we do know, Jesse Evans was one of the figures that we did discuss in part one. Uh, he was the leader of the Jesse Evans gang, also known as the Boys, or also known as the Cowboys, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they were the ones that uh, wore the red sashes around their waist, and they were a pretty badass bunch of dudes, all right? Well, Billy the Kid rode with them. He was really, really, really good friends with Jesse Evans. So Jesse Evans, you know, gets a hold of, you know, the law firm in charge of his brother's estate. They send down a guy from St. Louis, and he goes down to Florida and meets with this Joe Hines. Now, like I had stated in the intro, while he's interviewing him and trying to determine whether or not he is actually uh, Jesse Evans, they get to talking. This guy's name is William Morrison. Now, William Morrison is somewhat of a genealogist, 
and he can actually trace his distant relatives back to Fort Sumner. Now, his distant relatives are Pete, Paulita, and Dalvina Maxwell. Now, Pete's house is where Billy the Kid supposedly was shot on July 14th, 1881. So, they get to talking. And he starts asking him, hey, like, uh, what was it like, you know, to ride with Billy the Kid? What was he like? Joe Hines or Jesse Evans, how you, however you want to describe him or whatever you want to call him, says, so, you know, starts talking about him and he starts reflecting on, you know, his involvement in the Lincoln County War. Now, as, uh, I did state in part one, Jesse Evans was on the opposite side of the fight. He fought for the, uh, Dolan Murphy faction where Billy the Kid fought for the Tunstall side. You know, there might have been a little bit of bad blood there. It's hard telling. They were friends for a long time. They did a lot of shit together. So, you never know. But, Billy the Kid did testify against Jesse Evans in a court of law. You know, those charges were eventually dropped. You know, that's how that went. So, they start talking about the Lincoln County War, and Jesse Evans just kind of mentions, you know, besides me, there's two other guys that are still alive from that, you know. One of them being Jim McDaniels, and the other one being William H. Bonney. So, obviously, William Morrison stops dead in his tracks. He's like, what are you talking about? He was shot by Pat Garrett in July of 1881. He says, oh no, he's he's alive and well. But he would not give up the information that William Morrison needed. So, William Morrison is so fucking intrigued by this, okay? Now, it took, I believe, about nine months for the court to actually determine whether or not Joe Hines was Jesse Evans. And they did, in fact, determine that he was the famed, I shouldn't say famed, that he was the infamous outlaw, Jesse Evans. So they awarded him his brother's land. Now, in the process of this, William Morrison is sitting on this, just stewing on it. He's like, I gotta find out who this fucking guy is. Well, he ends up tracking down another guy who leads him to this little tiny shack out in the middle of nowhere in Heiko, Texas. And he meets this guy called Brushy Bill Roberts. He goes by William H. Roberts, but his other alias is Oliver P. Roberts. Now, the reason I emphasize the P is because this will play a factor a little bit later, okay? Oliver P. Roberts. So after a while... William Morrison starts up this correspondence with Brushy Bill. As we'll get to, Brushy Bill himself, whether or not he was Billy the Kid, led a very interesting life. And there is plenty of evidence to back this shit up. So Morrison, while he's in correspondence with Brushy Bill, never tells him what Joe Hines, Jesse Evans, had told him that he was Billy the Kid. So eventually, Morrison says, you know, hey, I want to meet you. You know, Brushy is like, all right. So in the summer of 1949, uh, William Morrison goes and visits him. And he's, like I said, he's living in this tiny shack, literally on a diet of fucking potatoes. He's living in poverty. He's on his fourth wife. All right. And he looks at him and he's about five, seven, five foot eight. Roughly about 165 pounds. He's got blue eyes, very small hands, large wrists, and heavy shoulders. Now he's got this prominent nose, a high forehead, and he's got very large outward ears. Brushy invites him inside the house. His wife Melinda was there. He asks him 
straight up. He's like, are you Billy the Kid? And Brushy Bill fucking denies it. He's like, no. No, I am not. He's like, I don't know where you heard that. I am not Billy the Kid. His wife is in in the house, and he doesn't want her to hear anything. So how the story goes is that he tells William Morrison to come back the next day while his wife's not there. So William Morrison comes back, sits down with him, and they start talking a little bit more. Well, he basically says, listen, this guy named Jesse Evans told me where to find you. He told me who you are. Brushy Bill asks him, well, how the hell do you know Jesse Evans? So he tells him, he's like, I work for this law firm. And right then, Brushy Bill is like, you work for a law firm. And he says, you know what? I am Billy the Kid, and I want that pardon that was promised to me 70 years ago by Governor Lou Wallace. He promised me a pardon. I want to die a free man. So Morrison agrees to help Brushy Bill state his case and try to get this pardon. He wants to see proof that Brushy is Billy the Kid. So Brushy takes off his clothes. And he has 26 bullet and knife scars on his body. Several of these are matching locations of wounds that Billy the Kid allegedly had. Brushy also demonstrated at this point in time how he can move his thumb inward on his hand and slip out of handcuffs very, very easily. So Morrison promises him, he's like, I'm going to do everything I can to help you get this pardon. But he tells Brushy Bill, he says, you have to allow me to investigate this further and I need to investigate also the history to find more proof that you are authentic. Brushy Bill agreed. He's like, yes, please do. Now, over the next several months, uh, Morrison meets with Brushy Bill uh, lots of times, okay? And he records his story in this journal and with a tape recorder. It's kind of funny because the whole time they're doing this, they're trying to keep it a secret from Brushy Bill's wife. You know, he didn't want her to learn his true identity and basically be turned away by his his former life, by his reputation. And the story goes like this, according to Brushy Bill. Well, he says he was born William Henry Roberts on December 31st, 1859 in an area of Texas known as Buffalo Gap. Uh, his parents were James and Mary Roberts. Mary Roberts died in 1862, and this was while his dad, James, was off fighting uh, in the Civil War. So what happens is, after his mother ended up dying, his maternal half-aunt ends up taking him in, and he went to live with Catherine and her son, Joe. Now, since Brushy uh, was really young, Catherine and Catherine moved around much, everyone just pretty much assumed that it was Catherine's son. She got quite attached to him and didn't want him to leave. Basically, what she did was she renamed him Henry McCarty, or William Henry McCarty, and um, pretty much moved around to where James would never be able to get him back. You know, it is what it is. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just going telling you what Brushy Bill's story is. So he goes on to tell of his days uh, as Billy the Kid from 1877 to 1881. And the thing about it is, is Morrison pretty much figures out that Brushy knew a lot about the history of Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County War to the point where 
there's no way he could have known this information, like, outright. Now, we'll get into more details of some of his claims as Billy the Kid when we get back into the either confirming or debunking section. But what he tells of July 14th, 1881, this is how his side of the story goes. He was out with a guy named Billy Barlow, who was a half-Mexican cattle rustler, horse rustler. They were out doing some shit. It was very well known that Billy only used to go out at night. He would hide out during the day, usually in Pete Maxwell's place or in the area of Fort Sumner. He was very well loved there. The people adored this guy. So he knew he would have no real problems. And uh, he would only go out at night to eat, to, uh, you know, do whatever he needed to do. Well, he's out with Billy Barlow and they're drunk. And they come back to Fort Sumner and they stop off at their buddy's house. And their buddy tells them, hey, listen, Garrett's in town, man. Lay low, chill out. He's running around here somewhere looking for you. They go in to eat at this house, and the guy says, well, all we have are beans and tortillas, so, you know, that's all I can really fix you. Well, Billy Barlow's drunk. You know, Barlow's like, I want some meat. So he says, well, Pete Maxwell, you know, has some fresh meat over at his place, but I really wouldn't go there if I were you. So Billy the Kid decides, you know, I hey, I'm going to stay here while Billy Barlow goes over there. Now they hear a commotion. And uh, they hear some gunfire. So Billy the Kid goes out. He exchanges fire a little bit with Pat Garrett and two deputy marshals that are there by the names of McKinney and Poe. So they exchange fire. Billy the Kid claims that he gets grazed in the head, gets shot in the shoulder, and gets shot in the jaw. He also finds out that uh, his friends are willing to help him escape. And it is at this point in time that he hears that Pat Garrett is going to pass off Billy Barlow as him, mainly because of the fact that Pat Garrett needed this reward money because he was a pretty fucking bad gambler, all right? We'll get into some facts about Pat Garrett here in the future. So he goes and escapes, all right? And not to mention the fact that Pat Garrett had already killed two men that he thought were Billy by ambush, without giving them a chance to surrender. So, of course, after the first guy he shot, Tom O'Falliard, he was like, fuck. And he is quoted as saying, we cannot make another mistake, guys. We cannot make another mistake. Well, right after that, they shoot fucking Charlie Beaudry. There's another mistake. Now, what do you think would have happened if Pat Garrett would have shot another person by ambush, and it would not have been Billy the Kid? Probably wouldn't have looked too fucking well for the U.S. Marshals, or Pat Garrett being the fucking Lincoln County Sheriff at the time. So, Billy escapes. He goes and he leaves for Mexico. He uh, lives with uh, the Yaqui Indians for a couple years and he returns to the U.S. He states that he was arrested in Kansas City because he was recognized as Billy the Kid, but he was released because everybody believed that Billy the Kid was dead. So he goes on to uh, do his own Wild West show. He worked for Buffalo Bill Cody in his Wild West show. He goes on to uh, to work for Judge Isaac Parker in Fort Smith, Arkansas. He was a U.S. US Marshal investigating train robberies, and he did work for the Rough Riders while they went to Cuba. You know, that's just a few of the stories and we'll get into some of the facts of those also a little bit later. We're just telling the story now. 
So Brushy Bill even tells William Morrison, he's like, I'm not even 100% sure Billy Barlow was his real name. Because let's face it, everybody had fucking aliases back then. Obviously, case in point, Billy the Kid. You could change your fucking name and tell anybody what it was. And what are they going to do? How are they going to prove it? There is no way to prove it. So he's not even, you know, he says, I'm not even sure his name was Billy Barlow, but that's what he went by and that's what I called him. So basically, this all culminates into the fall of 1949 when Morrison takes Brushy Bill to New Mexico for the purpose of having Brushy meet with some uh, surviving acquaintances of Billy the Kid. Now, these acquaintances were to pretty much determine, you know, is this guy Billy the Kid or not? Now, these living acquaintances were Severo Gallegas, Jose Montoya, Martel Abel, those three all signed affidavits stating that he was, in fact, Billy the Kid. Another two guys named Bill Jones and Sam Jones confirmed his identity but would not sign uh, any affidavits because they were, you know, in their late 80s, early 90s. And if this guy ended up being Billy the Kid in the court, you know, proving that he was Billy the Kid in the court of law, they did not want publicity. They said they were just too old to deal with shit like that. You know, you can take that two different ways. Now, there was also a lot of other people there, okay? Now, it should be known that initially, when Brushy Bill agreed to, you know, meet with the governor, meet with all these people, he said he did not want publicity. He's like, I don't want anybody to know this. I want it to be as secret as possible. Well, while him and Morrison are eating the next day, after Morrison contacts the governor, it's all over in the press. And they call the governor and they're like, hey man, we fucking asked you like not to say anything. And he's like, well, I'm sorry, I kind of leaked it to the press, blah, blah, blah. You know, not only those five guys, or those five guys met with Billy, but there were also two respected historians named Maurice Fulton and William Keller. Now, while they were in, in Lincoln, they also went to, you know, Fort Sumner and uh, the Lincoln County Jail, and the courthouse, and he detailed to William Morrison how he made his escape and killed the deputies, Bob Ollinger and uh, J.W. Bell. And uh, by the time they got done, William Morrison pretty much is like, this dude is legit. And on a side note, William Morrison actually moved his entire family down to Hamilton, Texas, just so he could invest himself in this case. Like, he spent years tirelessly with Brushy Bill. Now, the reason I make that point is because you have two authors on both sides of the table. You have a guy named uh, Daniel Edwards, and you guy ha you have a guy named Mark Lee Gardner. Mark Lee Gardner thinks it's utterly fucking ridiculous, that Brushy Bill, and he points out, like, you know, a few little things here and there that don't match up, with, uh, you know, Brushy Bill's story. Granted, there are a lot of holes in his story, which we'll get to. Now, Daniel Edwards, on the other hand, has literally invested, you know, a few years worth of research to prove that Brushy Bill was Billy the Kid. Now, this came later on, all right? Now, obviously, this is like, you know, new age right here. William Morrison was with Brushy Bill when he met these people and when he went to these places. So I do have to state that. Now, in the summer of 1950 is when uh, Morrison moved his family down to El Paso, Texas. The reason he does that is to be 
closer to pretty much anything that he might need for the investigation, which totally understandable. Now, he ends up getting help from a guy named Ted Andres. Now, he is a lawyer from El Paso. Morrison ended up drawing up the papers that were necessary for Brushy Bill's pardon. Now, afterwards, Morrison wrote a report entitled A Statement of Facts, uh, which stated that Billy Bonney was promised a pardon in 1879 by Governor Lew Wallace and that he was not killed in 1881 and still deserved his pardon. Now, included with the report are various documents that are related to Billy's life, including the affidavits from Galagos, Abel, Montoya, along with affidavits from two of Brushy's friends named DeWitt Travis and Robert Lee, and they helped detail other aspects of Brushy Bill's life. Andres and Morrison filed for the petition uh, for the pardon on November 15, 1950, now, the governor at the time was a guy named Thomas J. Mabry. Now, he, like I said, he initially agreed to a private hearing along with two of the historians of Mabry's choosing. Now, Mabry, like I said, got to choose those historians, and uh, this would be held on November 29th. Now, on the morning of the 29th, as uh, Morrison and Brushy Bill are having breakfast, you know, the local newspaper... Mabry did announce that uh, the meeting with Billy the Kid claimant. So Mabry basically reassured him, hey, this is going to be private. Don't worry about it. So when Brushy and Morrison arrive at Mabry's mansion, they walk into the conference room and there's a fuckload of people. There are reporters, photographers, armed policemen, Oscar and Jarvis Garrett, who are Pat Garrett's sons, Cliff McKinney, who is Kip McKinney's son. Now, McKinney was one of the deputy marshals who was on the scene with Pat Garrett when Billy the Kid was shot. Also, there was Arcadio Brady, who is the grandson of William Brady, who is the sheriff that Billy, you know, was charged with first-degree murder for, which you can't actually prove that it was just Billy the Kid because it was a group of people. They also had uh, historians William Kelleher, E.B. Mann, and Will Robinson. As you can tell, this private meeting pretty much was fucking chaos, all right? Now, Brushy kind of freaks out. You got to remember, he's 90, 91 years old at this point in time. So, he apparently suffers a small stroke while all this questioning is going on because he's fucking freaking out. Now, you got to remember, Brushy Bill's a wanted man. Okay, whether it was 70 years before or not, if he doesn't get this pardon, if he is Billy the Kid, he fucking just outed himself. And he's going to fucking prison for the rest of his life. His wife's going to know who he was. He's pretty much going to ruin his fucking life, okay? Now, the people there treat this as a fucking joke. They start asking him fucking stupid questions like, uh, how many girlfriends did Billy have? Did he enjoy stealing fucking cattle? Did he enjoy stealing horses? Brushy Bill does forget some basic information about himself. When he was asked uh, a couple serious questions, you know, he forgot some shit. He started feeling ill about this time and went to lay down. And, uh, you know, some of the questions that he messed up, first he denied shooting Bob Ollinger and J.W. Bell, which there were witnesses. Now, Brushy Bill later recanted, said, okay, I did, all right? You know, he fucking forgot Pat Garrett's name, which kind of leads me to believe that he was fucking scared out of his mind because nobody forgets Pat Garrett's name. So what he does, 
is he goes and lays down to get some rest because he's not really feeling very well. Now while he's resting, Governor Mabry comes out and he makes an announcement that he was not going to pardon Brushy Bill Roberts because he did not believe him to be Billy the Kid. Now William Morrison obviously was really disappointed in how all this chain of events kind of went forth and uh, he took Brushy to the local doctor, a guy named Stan Lloyd. When he ended up being a little bit well enough, he did take him home back to uh, Heiko, Texas. So they get to Heiko. Brushy gets re-examined by a guy named uh, Dr. W.F. Hafer, and uh, he's told to get as much bed rest as possible. Now, while this is going on, uh, Morrison just continues working on the case, and uh, on December 27th, 1950, just shy of his birthday, Brushy left his bed, told his wife uh, he was feeling a little bit better. When his wife, uh, his wife tells him that she needed to mail a package, so Brushy said that he would walk it down to the post office. As he walks down the street, Brushy su- suffers a sudden heart attack. He fell to the ground and died instantly. Now, five years later, in 1955, noted historian C.L. Sonichin was, uh, with information supplied by Morrison, wrote a book entitled Alias Billy the Kid, which fully details the case of Brushy Bill Roberts for any of you who are interested. Now, one of the things is that Brushy Bill claims that he did have a home. Now, Billy the Kid was very widely known as being kind of a drifter, never really had his own place. Now, Brushy Bill says he did live in a place called San Patricio, New Mexico. Now, after looking at an 1880 census, there were 230 residents of San Patricio in 1880. Two of them were white. One of them was a 49-year-old male who lived there with his wife and kids. And the other one was a 20-year-old male. He was sick of a gunshot wound. And his name, given, was John S. Murphy. Now, if you remember... The two sides of the Lincoln County War just happened to be John S. Chisholm and Lawrence Murphy. It's pretty interesting, right? Could be coincidence. You never know. That would put uh, Brushy Bill about 20 years old, right about the same time that uh, Billy the Kid was 20 years old. So here we go to uh, Brushy Bill's knowledge of the Lincoln County War and pretty much the entire life of Billy the Kid was honestly too extensive. You got to think, Heiko, Texas, not a big place. The library there in town, you know, Brushy Bill did not own a vehicle. So, and there was no internet, okay? So he did not have the resources to get a lot of this information. Now, he knew shit that some historians didn't even know. One of which being, he knew that Colonel Dudley's soldiers that entered Lincoln on July 19th, 1879, were black soldiers. He knew all the details of how the Billy the Kid uh, had to pay his lawyer for his services and his trial. He knew that Billy the Kid wrote a letter to Governor Wallace proclaiming his innocence in the murder of James Carlyle. And he knew exactly how McSween's house was set up. Now, that letter to Carlyle was not known until later years. That did not come about. It was not found until later. So, in 1949, uh, Morrison took Brushy Bill to the old Lincoln County Courthouse, which uh, also served as the Murphy Murphy Dolan Riley store, which, ironically enough, is where Billy the Kid made his escape after shooting the two deputies. Now, in the building, Brushy Bill describes 
how the building looked during his incarceration there as Billy the Kid to a T. Okay, he described this building to a T. He described every little detail of how the building looked in 1881. Then he goes on to tell how he killed Bell, which was saying that the the bullet actually ricocheted, saying it, it hit the wall first and then ricocheted into Bell's side, which some historians still debate, but there's a lot of them that think that this is true because of the trajectory of the bullet. It wasn't fully embedded in the wall. It looked like a ricochet shot. Another thing that comes up, in Brushy Bill's possessions, he had a very old scarf that he claimed he got from uh, Delavina Maxwell. Now, this was after he was captured at Stinking Springs uh, and brought to Fort Sumner. He said uh, he gave Delavina uh, the tintype of himself and she gave him that scarf. Now, this really did happen. The only person who knew about it was a posse member named Jim East. Uh, and he only spoke about it one time in a letter he wrote to another lawman by the name of Charlie Seringo. Now, Charlie Seringo did write a book that is entitled, you know, The Life of Billy the Kid. It is actually a free audiobook. I highly suggest it. It is really, really fucking interesting. Now, Brushy goes on to say that uh, when he went to trial as Billy the Kid for his first indictment, which was for killing Buckshot Roberts... And he was represented by a guy named Ira Leonard. Not that many people knew that information. He also said that uh, Leonard was able to get the case thrown out, which is true. But not that many researchers or historians knew this back in the late 40s, early 50s. This was later information that came out. So he was definitely right about that as well. Another thing, Severo Gallegos, Jose Montoya... Martel Abel were all the surviving friends that did sign affidavits for Brushy Bill Roberts. They met with him separately. Brushy talked with them about uh, pretty much everything from his past as Billy the Kid. And like I said, they all did sign affidavits swearing that uh, Billy the Kid and Brushy Roberts were one and the same. Now Jesse Evans, or Joe Hines as we know him as in the later years... He did confirm to Morrison that that brushy Bill was also Billy the Kid. Now, if Joe Hines actually was Jesse Evans, he would probably know better than anybody. He spent a lot of time with Billy the Kid. They were very good friends. Now, a guy named Bob Young, who is a native of uh, Round Rock, Texas, he visited Hamilton, Texas in 1930 and first met brushy Bill. The two did become friends and Brushy informed Young that he would like to accompany him on his return to Round Rock. Now, when the time came for uh, Young to go home, Brushy pretty much said that he couldn't accompany him since his wife was sick. So Brushy asked Young to look up an old friend of his by the name of James McDaniels, who was a former gang member of the Jesse Evans gang and a veteran of the Lincoln County War who also lived in Round Rock. Now, Brushy went on to tell Young that when he found McDaniels to simply tell him, the kid says hello. When Young returned to Round Rock, he met with McDaniels and delivered Brushy's message. Now, when McDaniels heard this, he looked at him as if he had been badly, badly frightened. <laughs> Which, you know, he could have just been fucking with them or something like that. You know, I don't know. Here's another little cool story. 
One day back in the 1940s, uh, Brushy is walking down the street in Heiko. Now, also walking down the street with him, uh, there was a five-year-old boy and his mother. Now, when the boy ran into the street and was almost hit by a car, the mother yelled out her son's name. Her son's name was Billy, and she yelled it very loudly. Now, witnesses said that Brushy Bill whirled around and reached for an imaginary pistol. Now, after Brushy realized his name wasn't being called out, he hurried away. Now, although this is technically not evidence, you know, to support Brushy's claim, and no way connects him with, you know, Billy the Kid, it does say that he was used to danger, and that, in his mind, he was prepared to do what he had to do. It's a very interesting little fact. Another one is one day in 1945, Brushy is walking down a street in a Heiko. Again, an old lawman named Henry Anthony and his sons were also on the street. When Anthony saw Brushy, he jumped up and yelled at Brushy, calling him Billy Bonnie and told him to throw up his hands. When his sons calmed him down, Anthony said that Brushy was the kid. He swore for the rest of his life that Brushy Bill Roberts was Billy the Kid. Now, in 1990... Uh, the famous tintype of Billy the Kid, a purported photo of the kid at age 12, a photo of Brushy at age 14, and a photo of Brushy at age 90 were analyzed in the Action Bovic Photo Study. The study used the most advanced photo comparison equipment around, as well as the best scientists. Now, the photo purported to be a 12-year-old Billy the Kid was determined to not be him. The photo of 14-year-old Brushy was a close match to the tintype. Now, the photo of Brushy at age 90 had a 93% match to the famous tintype. The missing 7%, the doctors both concluded that it was due to the age and the dental work. That is pretty telling. Now, the thing about that is, is I believe it was 2014 or 15, that original tintype of Billy the Kid was sold at auction for $2.3 million to a private collector. Now, while doing this, that was the very first time that a high-resolution scan was done on this picture, and it should be known that that was compared to another high-resolution scan of Brushy Bill Roberts. And uh, it was a 90% match, not 93. And the thing about it is, is they compared that 10 type of Billy the Kid to 99 other people besides Brushy Bill for a total of 100 people. Brushy Bill Roberts ranked number 46, which means there were 45 other people who looked more like Billy the Kid in that 10 type than Brushy Bill Roberts did. Now, there are a couple other little things that I do want to point out. Brushy Bill had every single known scar that Billy the Kid had, plus more. Another thing that people bring up a lot is DNA. They're like, well, why don't they just fucking dig the body up and do a DNA test on it? Because they do have Catherine McCarty's DNA, so they would be able to do a test on it. But here is the problem. You'll hear a lot of people say, oh, well, New Mexico won't fucking dig up the grave. And then if it turns out not to be Billy the Kid, they're out of a shitload of fucking tourist money. Dude, don't even give me that shit. Here's the deal. Billy the Kid was buried in almost an unmarked grave. He was buried with a wooden, little wooden headstone. Not very much at all. He was not buried with Tom O'Falliard 
and uh, Charlie Beaudry, you know, where it says on their headstone, pals. He's not buried in that plot, you know, with the museum that everybody takes pictures of, the big tourist trap. He's not there. And the museum will fucking tell you that he's not there. It's literally just a place. It's a symbol. Nobody knows where Billy the Kid's body is. Pretty interesting, right? In 1904, the Pecos River Valley flooded like fucking crazy. So a lot of shit washed away, and that includes some of the headstones and possibly some of the bodies. So even if his body still was in the ground wherever he was buried, you wouldn't be able to find it because the headstone is long gone. So that is the actual reason why they don't do a DNA test on the body. Touching base on the Wild West shows with Buffalo Bill Cody and uh, the one that Brushy Bill did himself. There is proof of this. Uh, There is pictures. You know, there is evidence to back this up. And it should be known that the reason he got that job with Buffalo Bill Cody and had his own show was because of his ability with pistols. He was very, very good with pistols. I'm talking about Brushy Bill's life. One of the things that kind of bothers me is that Rushy Bill himself had a fucking interesting life. He was wanting to write an autobiography but ended up not doing it. Why would he want to pretend to be somebody he was not? Um, Let alone the fact that he did not come forward himself claiming to be Billy the Kid. He got sought out and he had to be coaxed into claiming that he was who he said he was supposedly so that is one of those weird little things that i noticed too that really doesn't make sense to me um when people say that brushy bill just wanted fame because i mean besides those facts he was very 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 adamant on the fact that he did not want any kind of publicity he wanted no press he wanted those meetings with the governor to be strictly private and the governor is the one who blew all that shit to the press and blew it way out of proportion so i find that a little bit odd now besides that you know there are a lot of inconsistencies with uh pat garrett's accounts of the shooting you know compared to mckinney and poe's accounts as well there is a lot of inconsistencies you know being some of them are little little here and there, little tidbits that could be misconstrued. One of the big ones that I find is that a lot of people say Poe didn't recognize Billy the Kid. Poe himself, the deputy marshal, said himself that he knew what Billy the Kid looked like, and when he saw him, he was scared to death of him. But the part that bothers me is when Poe and McKinney both say that they saw Billy stepping on the porch... He says, KNS, KNS, who is it? Who is it? And then they say, It's okay, we're here, we're your friends. And he says, KNS again in Spanish. Why would a guy who speaks English reply back in Spanish? That makes no sense, let alone the fact that why would these two deputy marshals let Billy the Kid fucking walk right by them? That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. All right? Now, here's a little bit more evidence to support that Pat Garrett did not kill Billy the Kid. Now, the most basic evidence of Billy's having survived are the numerous claims made by people who knew the kid and said they saw him after July 14, 1881. 
Some of the examples are a Mrs. J.W. Wood of Seven Rivers who claimed she served Billy a dinner on July 17, 1881. Now, a Mrs. Sid Boykin of Lincoln also claimed Billy visited her after he was supposedly killed. Another guy named Manuel Taylor, a boyhood friend of Billy's from Silver City, claimed he ran into Billy at a bullfight in Guadalajara, Mexico in 1914. Ben Hubert of Taos, New, New Mexico, who also knew Billy, claimed he saw him in Taos after July 14, 1881. Another one, Jesse Cox, a wagon driver from New Mexico, claimed he had seen and spoken to Billy numerous times after 1881. Now, several of Billy's friends who didn't actually report seeing him also claimed they didn't believe the story of his death. Uh, one of the guys, his name was Salazar, and he was an ex-regulator, and he's a very close friend of Billy's, claimed that he received a letter written by the kid detailing how he escaped from Fort Sumner on the night of July 14th. Now, Frank Coe, who was one of the regulators, claimed he never believed the kid was dead and spent a great deal of time researching sightings and reports of the kid's current whereabouts. You know, I'm a little iffy on that one just because of his relationship with uh, U.S. Deputy Marshal Poe and uh, some of the things that Edith Poe, you know, had said about those two meetings in later years and stuff like that. Um, another guy, John Graham, goes by the alias John Collins, who rode with the kid and the rustlers and was a resident of Fort Summer, claimed he helped dig the grave for the man Garrett actually did kill and that the corpse was not that of Billy the Kid. Now, in total, at least 26 different newspaper articles appeared after July 14th had claimed that Billy the Kid had survived. Now, on July 18th, four days after his supposed death in 1881, the Grant County Herald published an article entitled Exit the Kid, and it was uh, written by a guy named Ashenfelter. Now, in this article, Billy is described as having allowed his beard to grow and has stained his skin brown to look like a Mexican. If that's true... It totally contradicts any description of Billy the Kid in his fucking life. Because Billy the Kid was anywhere from, you know, depending on what age you go to, anywhere from 19 to 21. And uh, everybody who knew Billy the Kid said he had that fucking peach fuzz on his goddamn upper lip and that he really physically could not even grow a fucking beard. All right? This was even reported up until six months before his fucking death. Uh, another one in 1983. Elizabeth Garrett, who was the last surviving daughter of Pat Garrett, claimed to an interviewer named Paul Kane that her father did not kill Billy the Kid. That one's pretty damn interesting. On December 20th, 1882, San Miguel County issued an arrest warrant for the kid. This was again issued on March 5th, 1883. However, both times the warrant was returned as not found in county. Why would you issue arrest warrants for somebody who was already fucking dead? You know, like I said, there's a lot of little tiny things that are going on that are so fucking weird about this. Another cool little fact right here. In August of 1882... Garrett encounters a man named Joe Antrim, who is the younger brother of Billy the Kid. 
and they meet each other at a hotel in Trinidad, Colorado. There had been a lot of earlier reports, maybe they were rumors, we don't really know, that Joe was out seeking vengeance on Pat Garrett. Uh, It says that the two actually went to a private room and talked for nearly two hours. Now, after their meeting, apparently the two shook hands and parted their separate ways. What did they discuss for that two hours? How was Garrett able to approach this man if he really did want revenge for his brother's death? Why did they part on such friendly terms? You know, that could be just looking into it too much. You never know. But that is a pretty interesting little fact right there. Now, let's get into some of the facts that say he is not Brushy Bill. Now, Sheriff Pat Garrett said he killed Billy the Kid with uh, Deputy Marshal John Poe with a P and uh, Deputy Marshal Thomas McKinney and the vast majority of everybody else who claimed to have seen the body of the man that Garrett did kill, they agreed to this. You'll hear a lot of things saying, you know, oh, only a few people known. I will admit it is a little bit odd, okay, because postmortem photography, it wasn't exactly like a huge deal, but with outlaws in particular, it was a very big deal. People would have wanted to take a picture of Billy the Kid dead. But the thing about it is, is there are actually a little bit over 30 people that did see the dead body of Billy the Kid and did confirm it was him, let alone the fact that Paulita Maxwell, Pete Maxwell, and Delavina Maxwell, after Billy the Kid was shot at Fort Sumner, they had a fucking hatred for Pat Garrett for killing him. So you gotta you gotta keep that in your mind. There is absolutely no mention of any kind of gunfight after the initial killing of Billy the Kid, which is what Brushy Bill describes happened afterward. Now Garrett Poe and McKinney, you know, they have a totally different story, but you gotta think, why in the fuck would these three cops admit to a, a gunfight afterward Whether it was Billy the Kid or not, they pretty much wanted to lay to rest. Now remember, like I said, Pat Garrett had previously killed two of the wrong men on ambush without giving them a chance to fucking surrender. Both of them by mistake. What do you think the repercussions of a third mistake would have brought to Pat Garrett? So that right there I kind of discount a little bit, but it does have to be said. Now, there is no evidence of a Billy Barlow ever existing. Now, the way these guys worked back in the day, a lot of them were drifters. Some of them were outlaws. Everybody had an alias. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to believe that Billy Barlow was an alias or a fake name. So therefore, you know, there is a good chance that, you know, nobody had heard of Billy Barlow because fuck, he could have changed his name to that the week before. We don't know. Now, when Brushy Bill retells the story of, uh, you know, Billy the Kid and certain facts, he does make some pretty big historical errors. Now, some of these errors, it should be known, were questionable situations that not everybody knew the exact facts to. One of which being Brushy saying that he was present at Tunstall's funeral. That is not possible. 
The real Billy the Kid was in jail with Fred Waite and were released, I believe, a day or two later. I can't remember exactly. Now, he also says that it was Fred Waite who was shot by Billy Matthews during the Brady uh, assassination. He says that it was not Jim French. A lot of the sources differ on who the wounded regulator was, so there's no way to tell who was definitely right. Another thing is that Brushy said uh, that uh, John Selman fought on the McSween side of the Lincoln County War when it is very well known that John Selman did not fight on either side. He didn't even arrive in Lincoln until after the battle was over. Now, if you remember me talking about John Selman, it was him and his uh, guys that rode into town. I can't remember what their gang was called, but they were pretty much raping and pillaging everybody in fucking Lincoln County. They were killing kids. They were raping women. They were doing all kinds of shit. Another thing is uh, Brushy claims that throughout 1871 and 1874, he, he uh, left the care of Catherine McCarty a few times to visit his biological father, James Roberts, in Texas. Uh, he ended up staying with him a total of two years. However, there exists no evidence that the real Billy the Kid ever left the care of Catherine McCarty, and especially for a long period of time. Now, in response to that, I will say, as we know from... This whole entire story, historical records can be wrong. We do know that. Another thing, Brushy uh, claimed that after he fled Silver City in 1875, up until the fall of 1877, he uh, traveled all over the West, uh, making his living as a Bronco rider. This is not really true. There is no real documentation of Billy the Kid's life during this time frame, but there is documentation that does exist that he did spend his time in Arizona with a guy named John Mackey, where he was a horse and saddle thief stealing from uh stealing from the soldiers out in that area. Alright, another thing against Brushy Bill was his association with a guy named J. Frank Dalton. Now he was a guy who came forward saying that he was Jesse James. Now, it was proved that J. Frank Dalton was not Jesse James. Now, Brushy Bill did stand up and um, help claim that he was uh, Jesse James, and uh, Jesse Evans even went and stood up for him saying that he was Jesse James. You know, like I said, obviously... You know, J. Frank Dalton was found to be a fraud. A lot of people question why Brushy Bill would come forward and say, yeah, this guy is the real Jesse James. One of those theories is a pretty good one saying that they he kind of did that to see how he would be treated. Because if he ever decided to come out uh, in his own right, you know, what would possibly happen to him? How would he be treated? What would the repercussions be? So that is one of the theories that, uh, you know, kind of kind of revolves around the fact that Brushy Bill did go and stand up for J. Frank Dalton, saying that he was Jesse James. All right, some more information. Uh, supposedly, Brushy Bill was illiterate and therefore could not have been Billy the Kid. Now, in truth, Brushy was very literate. Uh, he had several diaries when Morrison found him. He wrote several letters to Morrison and other people, and he had thought for a, for a little while that he was going to write his own autobiography. Uh, he decided not to. You know, that comes into question some of the letters that he had sent to, 
you know, Governor Lou Wallace. Uh, Billy the Kid was very well-spoken. He was not a stupid man like some people, you know, make him out to be. Uh, if you can't, you can find those letters. They're, they're very intriguing and very awesome, uh, just to read for historical value. But he was a very well-spoken guy. He was not a dummy. So, I mean, that does kind of correlate. I don't know why people thought Brushy Bill might have been illiterate. I don't know if they just kind of threw that in there to discredit him more. Another thing would be that, uh, Geneva Pittman comes forward and she is the niece. And, uh, she says that, uh, she provided supposedly a family Bible that says there's no way he could have been Oliver P. Roberts because Oliver P. Roberts was born in 1879, which would have made him about two years old when Billy the Kid was killed. Brushy Bill's response to this, and he provided his own family Bible, was that she was getting him confused with another distant relative by the same name of Oliver L. Roberts. Oliver L. Roberts was born in 1879. Oliver P. Roberts supposedly was born in 1859 and that's why brushy bill said that's where the confusion is she probably got them messed up now granted i don't think anybody has actually seen either one of these supposed family bibles so take that information as you will uh, another little fact uh, brushy bill claims that a guy named frank labados helps him escape fort sumner the night uh, that the shootout ensued with Pat Garrett and his men. Now, Frank Labados openly admits, I was not even at Fort Sumner at this time, so that could be very, very impossible. But, at the same time, you gotta think, if there were repercussions, why would somebody openly admit to helping an outlaw get away from three U.S. Marshals? You know, you can kind of take that as you will. It Personally, it makes sense to me. If it were me, I'd say, fuck no, I wasn't there. I don't even know this dude. You know, you can take that as you will. Now, there are so many questions, so many unanswered, like, really weird little things. One of which was, um, Pat Garrett later went on to say in an interview, you know, when he was asked why he never gave Billy the Kid a chance to surrender, and shot him down in, in what some would consider cold blood. He said, and I quote, What would you do if a man like Billy the Kid said, The next time I see you, you better come a-shootin'. Word for word, verbatim, okay? Now it's funny because Rushy Bill Roberts, during one of his interviews, says that same phrase. He says, I told Pat Garrett, next time I see him, he better come a-shootin' in that exact way, that exact manner. Now, it's just little details like that that I find very, very interesting. Now, on a couple of side notes, there is a rumor that um, a guy named John Poe, P-O-E, he was one of the deputy marshals that was there the night that Pat Garrett shot Billy the Kid. Now, uh, you know, none of, they never get mentioned. Now, John Poe eventually went on to become sheriff after, uh, Pat Garrett. Now, he also went in, went on to a lot bigger and better things. He ended up starting his own bank, I believe. Um, but there's a rumor that when Pat Garrett shot Billy the Kid, John Poe 
rolled over the body and said, shit, this isn't the kid, man. You killed the wrong guy. That, unfortunately, is probably not true. And here's where we get this information. Frank Coe, C-O-E, was a member of the Regulators. He was one of the last surviving members of the Regulators. He had a daughter named Edith. Now, Edith used to drive Frank around to run his errands when he got older. One of those errands was to the bank that John Poe was president at and owned. Now, Edith says that them two would often go back in the office. Now, there was a mutual respect. One was an outlaw, one was a lawman, and they would trade stories. She says that some of the stories were really, really interesting, and and here's some little facts about, about some of that. Now, apparently, these two do openly admit that the events on the night of July 14th did not happen the way that history says it. They say that Billy the Kid was not in the doorway. They said he was just outside the window, and the layout of the house, it would have been impossible. They also say that um, Pat Garrett was on the ground and shot upward at Billy the Kid when he hit him. Now, this was proven to be true. Um, The trajectory of the bullet that was in the wall was at an upward angle. Pat Garrett was six foot four. Billy the Kid was five foot seven. So that was proven to be true. So the events surrounding the night of July 14th, 1881 are not historically accurate as you were taught in school. It was a totally different chain of events. Now, apparently what they did was they changed the story to protect the reputation of a young lady. That young lady was believed to be Paulita Maxwell because that was the love of Billy's life. And her and Billy were actually set to elope not uh, not long after he was you know, supposedly shot by Pat Garrett. There is a rumor that Pete Maxwell was not happy about this. He did not want his sister involved with Billy the Kid because he was an outlaw and because he uh, had other girlfriends, all right? Paulita was only 15 years old. So, you know, you got to kind of take that in stride. And she openly admits, you know, she did plenty of interviews. She wrote about this shit. She's like, they went back and forth all the time talking about why they stuck up for Garrett. Why they went along with his story. Just shit like that. But she did say that the rumor where John Poe, the the deputy U.S. Marshal, where that rumor came from was, I believe, in the late 30s. There was an interview given. Uh, It was an article in a magazine, and where this came from was a guy named Mr. Poe. They don't actually give his first name, so they believe that it was possibly a brother or a cousin of John Poe himself. Another thing I want to touch on are death records. There is no official death certificate for Billy the Kid. More than likely, here is the reason. New Mexico death certificates from 1919 to date are restricted records available only to immediate family members or those who present tangible proof of a legal interest unless they are at least 50 years old. Which means until 1919 in New Mexico, Death certificates were not always done. 
Now, granted, that is a little bit rough because, you know, you would think that, uh, you know, somebody of Billy the Kid's stature would have had a photograph taken, first off, uh, would have had more people come forward and say, yeah, he, uh, you know, he died at Fort Sumner. You, you would think there would be a death certificate, but technically the death certificate does not mean shit really at this point in time. Another thing that I do want to point out that is very, very odd. Pat Garrett was not awarded the reward money for killing Billy the Kid for quite some time because he had to go through a coroner's jury. Now, what a coroner's jury is, is in the situation of a sudden or suspicious death that is not outrightly proved right away, there is an inquest held on whether or not it actually happened. Now, supposedly, Pat Garrett had two coroner juries. The first one, he ripped up because he did not get the answers he wanted. Now, that is strictly rumor, okay? The second one finally came through after quite a while, and he was awarded the money. On a side note, Pat Garrett, what motivation would he have to fake Billy the Kid's death? Uh, there are several, several things that you could say here, one being based on the friendship of Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Now, depending on which side of the aisle you are on, you know, some people say that they were really good friends. Some people say that they hardly knew each other and they just gambled together. So, you know, he really was not that good of friends with them. But it is a very well-known fact that Pat Garrett was quite the gambler. He had lost a lot of fucking money over his time. And I'll tell you this much right now, Pat Garrett was no fucking angel. Alright? Pat Garrett was just as much a fucking murderer as Billy the Kid ever was. And, you know, his descendants will probably come out and be like, Oh, he's a fucking lawman. You know what? Before he was a fucking lawman, he killed a dude in a fucking argument. Literally an argument. It got taken to court. And somehow it got fucking proven justifiable homicide, so he didn't serve a day in fucking jail, didn't go to the fucking gallows. Now above that, like I have stated a couple times in this part two episode, Pat Garrett himself mistakenly killed two people by ambush that he thought were Billy the Kid. The first one after they shot him, Tom O'Falliard, he straight up told his guys, this is proven fact. We fucked up. We cannot make another mistake. I know what Billy the Kid looks like. Do not fire again unless it's on my command. We cannot make another mistake. Do you know what happens a few days later? Charlie Beaudry comes out of a little rock hut in Stinking Springs, and he's wearing a hat that just happens to look like Billy the Kid's. Pat Garrett gives a signal. They shoot his ass down. Well, they made another mistake. Well, Pat Garrett, you fucking told everybody you know exactly what he looks like. What the hell's the problem here? So, if Pat Garrett would have killed the wrong man, again, he had every fucking reason in the world to play this guy off as Billy the Kid. And I'm pretty sure that Billy the Kid, with as much as he wanted to go straight, you know, it is proven fact. He, he even said it himself. Like, he took jobs. He wanted to go straight. He wrote it in his letters. That's why he fucking wrote so many letters to Lou Wallace, saying, listen, 
this shit needs to stop. Like, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. That would have been the perfect opportunity for him to get away, for him to never return. You got to think about it like that. And I know I might be a little bit off the charts with, charts with my uh, quote unquote crazy fucking theories. But here's the deal. Like, you got to think about this objectively. You know, you got to look at every single angle. You got to try to put yourself in that mindset. If you think about it, that makes sense. So I don't even know. I, I don't even know how many more details and shit I got for you. Probably a fucking whole hell of a lot. To be perfectly honest with you, I could probably do a whole separate podcast on the life and death of Billy the Kid, and it would probably last like three seasons. It would be pretty badass, though. I could talk about Billy the Kid all fucking day. But anyway, especially the aspects of his death. So, take into account all these tiny little things. I know I flooded you with a lot of information in a short amount of time, just weigh your options. Like I said at the beginning of this, just weigh your options. You know, left hand, you have evidence supporting that Billy the Kid was shot by Pat Garrett in 1881. On the other hand, you have evidence that supports maybe that's not true. Now, it's already proven fact that the events surrounding the death of Billy the Kid that night, if he was shot at Fort Sumner, are historically inaccurate from what you guys understand and from what Pat Garrett wrote in his book. And this is confirmed by several people over. You know, it's just, there's a lot of shit. There's so many fucking good little threads on this. There's so many great books out there that you can get. If you want to dedicate your life to this, it's it's a pretty good possibility. So I guess in closing, what I get, what, what I'm going to go ahead and just say is that no matter what, I don't know why, but I'm just so happy because no matter how you look at this, no matter which way you look at it, Billy the Kid died a free man. No, he didn't get his pardon. And personally, I think he deserves his pardon. In six years, this fucking kid escaped jail. He escaped hangings. He escaped gunfights. He escaped U.S. cavalry in a surrounded house that they had set on fire and tried to fucking burn down. Was he a killer? Yeah, he was. Was Pat Garrett a killer? Fuck yeah, he was. Now, whether Billy the Kid lived on to be 90 or 91 years old, I don't know. But at the end of the day, Billy the Kid was a fucking legend. Heroes get remembered, man. Legends never fucking die. Billy the Kid was a fucking legend. See you on the flip side.